Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of FNI Rap Chat. Today we've got Liam Ryan. It's a really, really good chat, uh, especially for anyone who's trying to break into the industry, um, especially through the kind of ADing or trainee ADing route. Liam has done so many different jobs and worked, been working in the industry for so long. He's also, he has just finished up recently as um, shorts coordinator for Diff, so he has watched... Uh, probably thousands of shorts as well as made loads as well so he he really knows his shorts as well as the feature work that he's been working on and we had got to uh, have a great chat about Dublin Old School and his involvement in that so yeah it's a really good one um, any news uh want to give a shout out to our sponsor wildcard distribution uh they are busy promoting the dvd and vod release of a hole in the ground uh which is the wonderful and very scary uh, horror film by lee cronin uh which was released uh, earlier in, in the year if you can uh get it all the usual uh, VODs or get it on the DVD um, if you haven't seen it yet and then go back and listen to the Lee Cronin episode. Uh, I think it's one of our most listened to podcasts. It's uh, it's a great one. So yeah, um, we hope you're all having a, a very productive summer out there. Uh, get in touch um, the, the usual ways through the, the uh, social media. Um, we love hearing your, your feedback about the podcast. And uh, yeah. Enjoy this week's episode. We are in the studio here with Liam Ryan. Thanks very much for coming in. How are you getting on? What, what mode are you in at the moment? Um, oh, delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm in that kind of prep mode. In You know, it's you're not in production, but you're kind of laying the foundations for productions that are okay. coming. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of, like, reading scripts, breaking down scripts, budgeting, okay. that kind of thing at the yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. So, development... Kind of, of yeah, 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 and it's kind of nice because it's you're not under the same pressure as production yeah. just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calm before the storm. Kind of, yeah. Cool. So you're, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat a man of leisure yeah. <laughs> for the next two weeks. <laughs> cool. Well, I, I'm looking forward to getting stuck in and chatting about your feature work and stuff that you've got going on. But we might just um, start off just talking about shorts because. Uh, you're a great man with a lot of experience in terms of shorts from making them and then from uh, your your experience in doing uh, the shorts program for Diff. Um, what is it about the short format uh, when it really works? Um, is there any advice that you'd have for filmmakers in terms of like embracing the form? Yeah, um, in terms of shorts, the way I see shorts, they're a stepping stone. I think people who are starting out, it's a great way to get experience. And then, you you know, you make one for five grand and then you come back and make one for 10 grand and then you can make one for 50 grand and then maybe you get to make a low budget feature. Yeah. And it's a great way to develop a team of collaborators to work with you and get experience in different genres and trying to tell a story in a, you know, condensed runtime. Yeah. Um, and you... You know, you can see shorts. There's, there's anyone who's making shorts. I'd advise you to watch shorts. 
watch as many as you can find online. Um, Screen Ireland, I think, still have shorts on their channel. Mm. But they're on YouTube. Yeah. You know, stuff is up there. It's short, out there. Short of the week, stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people, for me, with shorts, and this is a, a particular opinion, so you know what I'm what I'm speaking is 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 my perspective as opposed to hard and fast rules. I can bring in a busload of people here who disagree with me. Yeah. Um. But I've spoken to other short film programmers from different festivals, uh, who are like some of the big festivals in the states. Um. Sharon Badal, who some people might know her, she comes to Diff regularly. She's a head programmer for Tribeca. Tribeca. Yeah, matter. Yeah. And she was in Cork, but Sharon yeah. had a saying that shorts had three lengths. And they're either long, too long, or way too fucking long. <laughs> and when you're programming, you know, a uh, hundred minutes or 120 minutes of shorts. Yeah. You know, and then someone drops a 30 minute or in the middle of that, you're yeah. kind of like, I'm given a significant part of a single program to one film. Yeah. Like, you know, but equally, a lot of people disagree with me on that. A lot of the Oscar nominated shorts are quite long. The Academy seems to like long mm. stuff. Mm. Um, I would just say, cut your claw to match in terms of the runtime of, of the short. A lot of people frame their shorts and make their shorts like a knockdown version of a feature. So they yeah. spend a lot of time establishing, you know, or, oh, like, God, there should be no reason there's opening credits on your short. There's no need for a yeah. so-and-so film yeah. Yeah. on your short. Yeah. That's a so-and-so film, a Martin Scorsese film, yeah. is a DGA requirement. It's a union thing in America. Yeah. You are not an auteur yet as a short filmmaker. I don't need to know that it's a so-and-so film. It's yeah. not a Spike Lee joint. Yeah, yeah. Don't spend ages doing loads of incidental establishing lovely, mm. there's a cup and there's a plant and there's a desk fan and oh, and he wakes up in the bed and I'm like, I'm 10 minutes into this now, you know. Yeah, 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 and yeah. especially when you're programming for a festival and you're under pressure getting to the end of that as well because submissions open months and months in advance yeah but still the week before the the closing it just spikes yeah so then all of a sudden like when I would spend programming for Diff most of the month of November for me is just watching shorts eight, nine hours a day really you know and and that's you know kind of tough going so I would set up where I'd, I'd try watch them on um of like a 40 inch screen yeah at home and I try watch them on the biggest screen I can but yeah instead of watching them on an iPad or watching them on a laptop and yeah. you know you're trying to give them but like you know by hour seven it's you know if, if 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 you're not capturing me you're not drawing me in yeah that's that's tough then to kind of you know to fight that corner yeah and then equally look at stuff that's programmable like you know like Vincent Lamb yeah with detainment I told him to knock a few minutes off it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I li- like, he, he brought it to me and I was like, that's a really strong short and that's, you know, that's something right there. Yeah. It's also 27 minutes long, dude. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, for... F- but also, that's me talking within the context of Diff. Yeah. Um, I often, like... And it was, it was tough because, look, we had... Diff is predominantly features, documentaries, and then the shorts element has grown in the last number of years. Yeah. But before it was, it was we only had one or two shorts programs, and now we've expanded it out to kind of four or five. And it's you know, that's still fifty shorts out of a thousand submissions. Yeah, you know, and it's heartbreaking. You're turning yeah. down good stuff, but you're just trying to kind of find what's right for the diff audience. Yeah, I always used to joke to you if I was programming for Galway, I'd have picked it. You know, because yeah. Galway has a, a much 
broader canvas for shorts, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of it, like, avoid cliches. Mm. Don't worry about, like, there's people who are, you can tell they went, oh, right, they went and got an Ari Alexa and anamorphic lenses. Yeah. But their characters aren't particularly well written and the dialogue is bad and their actors are bad. So yeah. I don't care how good it looks. Yeah, yeah. It's the story and the characters that'll pull us in. Yeah. And equally, I've had shorts that look like they were shot in an iPhone or, you know, <laughs> eight millimeter or something. And because the characters were good and, and, you know, tone is a big thing with shorts. Okay. And also, like, comedy really moves. Right. Because... 80 to 90% of what we're watching is drama. Yeah. Um, the year Haneke's Amour won the Oscar, that was, it was just Alzheimer's shorts then for the next like, 12 months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even to this day, like you're watching a kind of a weird short and it's kind of something surreal going in. And you're like, she has Alzheimer's at the end of this. I swear to God. Mm. You know, because it's just, it yeah. became such a trope. Yeah. And like there are, I don't know, is it... Filmmakers feeling they need to be worthy or weighty mm. or we must tackle serious subjects. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's suicide and it's... Suicide, Alzheimer's. Um, also, there's those kind of like... Single nerd fantasies of I meet a really cool girl. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. the shy introvert, like, the main yeah. character is a shy introverted filmmaker. Yeah. And he meets this, like, absolute stunner of a girl and they fall in love and it's in your kind of, like... pixie dream girl. Y- y- that kind of wish fulfillment thing yeah, yeah, yeah. happens so much. Yeah. And whereas I, I kind of think, you, you listen to enough screenwriting podcasts, they'll say, write about what you know. Yeah. But I think the more kind of authenticity you can rope into your story, the more believable your characters are and you're halfway there. Yeah. So... Um, I co-wrote a short years ago uh, that was funded through Galway Film Centre. It was called Scratch. Yeah. And I co-wrote it with the guy who was directing it. Um, his name is Phil Kelly. But it was based around uh, working in a petrol station. Yeah. Because he spent his summers working in a petrol station. Yeah. So straight away he was able to create this kind of believable world. Yeah, yeah. And he was kind of kicking around the idea for it. And we, we were kind of... I've seen it. Is there, is there a... An attempted robbery. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah, so it's good. yeah, cool. Um, Phil kind of tinkers with writing. He's really creative. He has really good ideas, mm. but he's not really a writer. And I'm a producer. Yeah, but between us, we actually got it there. You know, yeah, yeah. and but we were kind of trying to see could we get a writer to come on and work on it for us. And you know, writers are kind of you know, especially when you have no money, they're all kind of working on their own stuff. So, um, I had the idea, I just, it occurred to me one day that we meet this character on a smoke break. And when he finishes the smoke break, he throws the boat at the pumps. Yeah. And I went, because he, and straight away I went, this guy does not care about his job. Yeah. And then I felt I had somewhat of the measure of him. Yeah. And I really liked that kind of opening thing and I suggested it to Phil. And then I just took a pass at the script. And then he came back and he took a pass at the script. And then we'd go back and forth and we kind of got it to pretty good shape. Yeah. But equally, it helped because it was a comedy. Yeah. And then we worked with, that was uh, Dave Lee. He then produced it with me through Warrior Films and got funded through Galway Film Centre and went and made it. And we got to go to Tribeca with that. 
which was huge. Wow, yeah. And it played yeah. at, it played all the big festivals over here. So we got Dublin, Cork, Galway, Foyle. Played London and then did the kind of rounds in the States a bit as well. Cool. So that was... And even now, looking back on it, I'd knock four minutes off it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. How long was it in the About 14 minutes. Yeah, I don't remember feeling long. I think I saw it at Galway and it definitely stood out. Mm. I remember... I think was that 2013? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. I, I had a film in as well. Mine, mine was a drama, but there was just so much drama, and, and yeah. that's the thing. And yeah. so, so program, so short film programmers love comedy. Yeah, because it breaks up all the stuff we're kind of watching. Yeah, yeah. And equally, then audiences respond to comedy if you can make them laugh. You're straight away you're onto a winner. Yeah, and I like. Would you have a thing where you're just you're just looking for something? different that you you know it's absolutely not the usual thing. oh no yeah, like yeah. And, and you know you're kind of looking at you know it's establishers and there's a character and you're like we would take submissions through film freeway for for diff yeah but there's without a box and whatever as well mm-hmm. now i never read synopses or anything i just wanted to watch the film cold and until someone opened their mouth i didn't know if it was mexican chinese russian irish english whatever you know yeah. And especially working in the industry as well, especially if you see something Irish and then you see your, you knew the people who made it, yeah. you, it kind of makes you slightly biased as well. Yeah. Um, but I would force the film to stand on its own merits. So, um, yeah, it was kind of... That way then you're, you're kind of letting, letting draw in, trying to draw in what the audience is. So it's, if you got something that was kind of different or creative... Mm. Um, there was one Cy Edwards who he programs for Cork and he he co-programmed Dublin Me last year. He would have far more kind of eclectic taste than me. I'm very meat and potatoes, and I would shortlist and Cy would shortlist, and then we'd sit down and look at each other shortlist, and there was some trippy psychedelic stuff on his stuff. You know, right? A lot of more. He was he had more tolerance, more patience for surrealist yeah type stuff than I do. Yeah, and again, I just kind of felt. Maybe it's because it's the type of films I make are more in that genre, whereas, like, oh, there was, I think it was, was it Mexican? It was it was something about a guy who got turned into a fox. It was an animation, but it was like someone just dropped a load of acid and, right. and made a movie. Yeah, yeah. But equally, like, that, it, it was good because it, it spiced up the program. Yeah. Um, there was another kind of very surreal, so I called it a dog documentary. I, I, it was like on Chien and the Lou, but with, like, you know, an Irish wolfhound. Right. Um, it was mental. Right. But, it was, but at the same time, you kind of went, I didn't necessarily enjoy it, mm. but I totally see the merits of it. Yeah. You know, as in, it's not my cup of tea, yeah. but equally, I can't speak for the entire audience. Um, How was, far can you go in terms of programming for a festival? Because, I mean, it's it's kind of all ages, really, or... Ish, yeah. Because sometimes as well, yeah. we, we'd be conscious of, you'd have some shorts that would feature kids and then you know the kids are probably going to come on the day yeah so then let's keep the other shorts that have a more adult themed yeah out of that you know because it is you know it's there's nothing worse than turning away a kid yeah for a screening that they were in yeah you know yeah yeah um so yeah we wouldn't go like there's definitely some stuff um 
you could kind of push push the boundaries yeah. a bit. I like generally, I'm looking for something that that will give a response, either positive or even negative. Yeah, but at least the audience will react to it as mm. opposed to just indifference. Yeah, they, they forget about it. After yeah, they've seen it. Like, Whereas at least yeah. they'll go, "Oh, I didn't like that at all." But at least they go out mm. afterwards and they're talking about it. Mm. So I thought that was kind of really had had value. Yeah. Um, there was oh god, I'm blanking on the name, but it was an animated one years ago, and it went to Sundance. Don't was it Oscar nominated? Um, it was a fox and he stole a coat. Um, it was a young guy called Jack. He won the Diff Discovery that year. Right. But I remember just watching the short going, oh, jeez, no, I'm not really into this. Right. But I was still talking about it two, three days later. So right. I was like, I have to pick it. Okay. You know, even though at the time I'm like, no, this isn't for me. This isn't my cup of tea. Yeah. But the yeah. fact that, and so then I'm out for a pint with someone and I was like, wait till I tell you about this short. I, you know, I didn't like it at all. And you're like, you're still talking about it two days later, you know, and you're going, yeah. actually, yeah, that, that was just the fact that I had a reaction to it, you know? Yeah. So um, you can't get too, you kind of have to go with your gut a little bit. Mm. And then because I've been involved with the festival so long, I, I, different festivals have different kind of audiences mm. as well. So like you go down to the flat, it's quite an industry-based audience. But Diff was really good at bringing in, they were actually like, just film goers, they're just punters yeah. coming to watch the shorts. Mm. And obviously you have casts and crews and mammies and daddies as well, but there was generally always kind of a good atmosphere at those screenings and I'd, I'd know a lot of faces who are all regulars who are nothing to do with the industry, they're just like season ticket holders, they're just punters coming to see shorts. Cool. So I was really delighted to see that grow. Yeah, that's great. And then from the other side, from as a producer you would have been uh, entering into festivals as well, mm-hmm. what kind of strategy would you have like again, I always saw shorts as the stepping stone. Yeah. And anyone who's made a short and signed up to Film Freeway or Real Porter without a box, like you're getting emails daily. Mm. The you know this festival, that festival. So what you want to do is, to me, if you're going to go to the time and expense of submitting to a festival, you want to make sure that it's there's there's a return on that. Mm. So to me, you wanted to be targeting targeting festivals that will buy you a bit of profile, a bit of exposure. That like even if you're like, we got great profile and exposure from Scratch getting into Tribeca. Yeah. Now Scratch wasn't a film board or Screen Ireland funded short. It was Galway mm. Film Centre funded. But that's still kind of when we're going down the line to apply for Screen Ireland funding. That was now a feather in our cap. We were able to kind of get a bit of press off the back of that as well, and you know, so. Like, people sometimes just go, oh, yeah, we want to get into festivals. And you could go, yeah, you could drop a thousand euro yeah. submitting the festivals. But if you get into what we call top tier festivals, then other festivals will, like, even just by pure selection at somewhere mm. like Tribeca, mm. the amount of then requests we got from other festivals inviting us yeah. to play there purely on the virtue of that we got into Tribeca. Yeah. Um, like, if you're an Irish filmmaker, Galway and Cork, you want to be going to. Um, because there's industry people there. That's a really great, great way to build your own profile here locally. Foil was the first Oscar-affiliated festival here. Foil was, was a really good one to get into as well. Mm. Then, you know, Diff is really good because a lot of our Diff Discovery people come through the shorts. And, you know, it's the local... Even though, like, Galway and Cork are really important... But, you know, Diff is, for a lot of filmmakers, is the hometown screening. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of a really good one to, to, to get into then that you can bring, you know, the family or yeah. the granny or whoever to come and see it. Because in some ways, like, making a film, but then seeing it in a dark room full of strangers. 
is that's as, as important as what lenses you're using or what lights you're using or you know what costume you're using in some ways that's as much part of the process there's an awful lot of people who I think they make stuff and then they show it to their mates or they show it to you know close people who don't want to say a bad word about it yeah and then they go I'm deadly you know yeah and then they go out and screen it and you know to an absolute room full of strangers and it dies and it's ours but yeah. that's a very useful lesson yeah to take away you know or equally, it goes and blows the roof off the place. And there's, that's one of the best feelings in the world as well. Like, and, and again, I'll, I'll keep using the example of Scratch. We blew the roof off the town hall. Yeah. Now, I think because Stephen Jones was in it and there was a huge amount of people in the audience who knew him. Yeah. So they were kind of reacting to that. Yeah. Um, but it, it went down really well. We were in the same program in Tribeca as the short film The Phone Call, which won the Oscar that year. You know, well, and, and yeah. like we made scratch for nine grand. Yeah. Every other short in that program was like 90,000 plus. There were AFI grad shorts. Right. There were like serious production values. Yeah. And then like, can I swear on this? Yeah, this work away. <laughs> then the phone call was the last short in that program. Yeah. So you, I was kind of sitting there like proud as punch going, geez, this is, re- this is really landed. And like we're holding our own with these big budget American shorts and God, we might win a prize and the audience are liking it. And and then, like, the phone call was the last short. And you're kind of, again, I'm kind of watching it the same way. I'm like, oh, this is different. This is, looks like London. It's a little kind of, it's like a little jib shot, the bus stop. So yeah. it's just, is that fucking Sally Hawkins? You know? <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you're like, okay, it is. Fuck. Okay, right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, as the, as the film proceeds, it's like, is that Jim Broadbent? <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it was, you know, but it held its own, and yeah. we screened three or four times in Tribeca. Brilliant! And you yeah. go to all the screenings, and they bring you up to do a little Q. Actually, in fact, how how I do the Q and A's at Diff is based on Tribeca. Um, really? I name check everyone at the start, and then you come down the end and do a, have a little chat. Yeah, it so is we, actually great how you do that. Yeah, and yeah. but I I and I try to be as informal as I can. Yeah, because it it kind of adds to to the festival atmosphere of it. Yeah, totally. Um, but it, yeah, like I encourage everyone to come down. I you know. Yeah. Anyone who's involved come down to the front. And it really it makes out. it actually. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's it's kind of it adds to the whole. Yeah, because some festivals don't do it at all, yeah. and you don't know who the filmmakers are. So at least even just putting them up, and then you can go, okay, I'll talk to that. Person but also, that and director. then sometimes people come up and chat to you afterwards as yeah. well. Yeah, and um, and that's that's kind of a really cool thing to experience as a filmmaker. Yeah, having put your blood, sweat, and tears into the film. And then have the film be well received, and then just like for punters to come up afterwards, or sometimes other people who are other filmmakers and they want maybe they want a bit of advice, or they just want to kind of say, you know, they might necessarily have want to have asked a question in the public forum of the Q and A, but they might want to go up and ask you something one on one in the bar afterwards, and that's that's yeah. kind of great. Yeah, that's yeah, it's really cool. Um, uh, so yeah, might just go back to the start and how you first got into filmmaking. Hmm. Uh, college. Um, right. I went to UCD. And you knew what you wanted to do when no, you were in school? No, not a no. clue. <laughs> um, did the leave insert, didn't know what I wanted to do, so I chose to go do arts in UCD because I just went, I, I don't know what I want to be or what I want to do. Yeah. So I there were certain subjects I liked, so I went and did an arts degree in history and Greek and Roman civilization. And then I was about halfway through that. I got involved in the film society in yeah. UCD. Yeah. And then I found a flyer for the UCD School of Film for their master's course. 
and I think it was a picture it was like it was like a set photo from a Neil Jordan movie or something and that was when the kind of light bulb went off to go oh like people do this for a living and you know so I was like oh if I could do a masters and then go see about working in film and and this is like I'm showing my age now this is back then there wasn't an abundance of film courses um or ways of breaking into the industry and the it was incredibly difficult to try get on to the master's course. Yeah. So I didn't. Right. Um, and then I finished my degree and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do film. And then I just went and got a day job till I figured stuff out. Yeah. So I ended up working in a bank and I was with AIB for three years. Okay. And then I went back to UCD at night and I did uh, film studies at night as part of modular degree uh, in UCD. So then uh, that was kind of a theoretical film studies course and then kind of kept involved with being involved with the the film society. And then I did a film-based course on being a producer or something. Okay. It was actually Edwina Forkin who gave gave a talk. Former guest. And um, I got to know one or two people on that and we got together and said we'd go make a short film. Uh, One of them had a script and... I suppose because I was loud and sounded confident, I got the job of directing it. <laughs> right, okay. And at the time, thought that's, yeah, like I, I want to direct movies, like that's what I want to do. Yeah. So we went and made the short and I directed it and I hated it. Really? Hated it. Why? Um, just the whole kind of trying to keep the edit in your head, trying to work what you shot yesterday will cut with what we're shooting tomorrow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, just, uh, but what I loved was the whole breaking it down and the logistics and what we needed and what went into it. And I kind of went, no, actually, directing is not for me at all. And it was one of the Film Society guys was editing that short, and then he went, oh, we're going to make a little feature in, in Film Sock, and, you know, we need, like, a first AD. Like, would you be up for that? And I was like, yeah, grand, I'll get involved. Um, so we spent nine months making a Spinal Tap-esque documentary in our spare time. Um, it was again about a shit band of yeah. schoolmates and we just, we would pick a couple of weekends in the month and go out and shoot weekends or shoot here and there. And I broke the script down using Excel, using a spreadsheet. Yeah. And basically what, how, how we use movie magic or EP scheduling today, I just did myself on a spreadsheet. Yeah. And broke it out into blocks and I kind of fell into that. I kind of ended up double jobbing as the production manager slash first AD. Yeah. And we shot that on like mini DV. (laughs) But it was gas actually looking back on it because it's Emmett Scanlon, who's currently in Krypton. Killian Scott, who was in Love Hate, who's I think we'll see in Dublin Murders, yeah. and Owen Mackin, who was in Night Flyers. Like the budget yeah. I'd need to put those three guys in a room today, like Gats. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You never would have thought of it. Yeah, then. and then there was an act, another guy, Cahill, uh, was in it, a great stage actor, and yeah. um, and then the fifth guy was just not an actor. He was a mate of the directors, right, okay. essentially playing himself. Yeah, and um, yeah, and we just like we it was a great kind of little film school in a lot of ways because right. we had to adapt and cut our claw to match and we're like oh well this scene is there but like oh we can't get it like that but like you know a buddy of mine works at the pub like he let us shoot the pub upstairs let's change it to that and you know yeah, yeah. and we rolled it out and like oh it's dreadful like but you know <laughs> it was great experience at the time and yeah. then 
other people making shorts then were kind of, I got that reputation as being a good AD. Mm. So I be, kind of became the go-to AD for shorts. Yeah. And then to the point where you start getting paid to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. So I was kind of doing the AD thing then for a good few years. But I, what I should have done was kind of gone on to then a big show and come mm. up true as a trainee. Mm. But I, I kind of wasn't really doing that. And, and I didn't know... Yeah. To do that. Right. And even back then, I, I, what I really struggled with early days was trying to cultivate that network of breaking into the industry. Yeah. So um, was kind of doing the AD thing for years, but then I was having done shorts and you show up and you're kind of, you're, you know, you're, you're there to do your best job as the AD, mm. but it's maybe not the most well put together show. Yeah. And then I went, that's what kind of drew me to producing because I felt if I was producing it, at least I would trust the standard to which... Okay. It's organised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I kind of started to, was a uh, couple of friends who were like, oh, I'd, I'd love to, you know, do this little short. And I was like, well, I'll produce it for you. Yeah. So then I kind of started producing shorts yeah. as well as ADing shorts. Cool. And maybe just on the ADing, um, if someone is listening to this and they think, I want a director, I want to get into the film industry somehow, mm. but they they think maybe if I can get in, do a bit of trainee uh, AD and mm-hmm. get into first what do you think skills you think you need to be a good AD and what advice would you have for someone who is thinking of going that route to be a good AD um, I was going to say be seen and not heard um, in some ways like it is it's it's known it's known when to be heard and known when to keep your mouth closed right. in terms of if you go on to a big set as a trainee AD if you go on to, you know, Vikings as a trainee AD, and you could be one of five or six trainee ADs, and the other five trainee ADs all know each other and have worked with each other before, you know, it can be an intimidating mm-hmm. place to kind of show up. Mm-hmm. Um, be always thinking a step ahead, because it's a lot of hurry up and wait. Yeah. And you're standing around and you're going, have, have they forgotten I'm here? Like, no one's radioed me or asked me to do anything in an hour or two. And then all of a sudden it's like, Paul, quick, I need two fresh walkie batteries and a crate of water. And you're like, fuck, where are they? Where, what, what? You know, and it's like, yeah. I don't want to go 10 rounds with you on telling you where the water is and where the, the, the walkie batteries are. Yeah. You know, so it, in some ways you're kind of going, you're watching, because it is a great way to kind of get in and observe the set. Yeah. But also then be watching what's going on and then be thinking ahead. Like, if you see the good AD teams, and, like, I've had really, really good ADs working for me, yeah. is when I turn to look at you, you're already on your way to do what I'm about to ask you to do. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. You're on your toes. Yeah, yeah. And that can be difficult to maintain, especially if you've been told to go go lock off a street, you know? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're just standing there, and you're, you're yeah, rolling. Yeah, sorry, folks, need to hold you there. What are you shooting? Oh, it's Guinness ad, you know? Yeah. Um. And you're just on your phone when you're on Facebook, you know, whereas actually, and then all of a sudden something kicks off and you're needed in a hurry. Yeah. So stay alert. Yeah. And be thinking in the back of your head, what could I possibly be asked for next? Also, always, as much as possible, know where the actors are Mm. because you get certain actors who are wanderers and all of a sudden (laughs) then it comes on the radio. Anyone seen Aidan Gillen? And you go, actually, yeah, you walked past me two minutes ago. Yeah. You know, so like if you just kind of spot them, just know where they are. Okay. Um... The other thing then is, you know, it's 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 important to be personable. Yeah. I think, you know, you, some of these guys come in and like, 
because there's so much pressure within the AD department and there can be kind of, um, you know, an actor could turn around and go, oh, could someone get me a, a cup of water? And by the time that reverberates out from set to the trainee AD who's near the water, it's like that actor had a stroke and he's dead and we need an ambulance, yeah. you know, and then all of a sudden it's like life or death and everyone's wound too tight and it's like, no, just, you know, stay cool, stay calm, be polite. Because um, equally, like, you can have someone in your ear going, you know, oh, he, he forgot his hat, go, go back to the costume truck and get his hat. And then it's very easy for you to burst onto the costume truck, scream at the costume girls, mm. where's this fucking hat or whatever. And then, you know, because you think, like, it's life or death. It's probably not life or death. Mm-hmm. I always say move with purpose. Yeah. You know, don't be slouching, but also, like, be respectful to, to people around you as well. And, you know, observe, watch as much as you can, pay attention to the call sheet, pay mm. attention to uh, what the third is doing. Um, be polite to the extras. Extras are people too. Mm. And also then, the nicer you are to the extras, the faster they'll respond when you need them to do something. It, it can be like herding cats, right. but get to know them, talk to them, use them by their name, don't click your fingers at people. Be polite, be chill, but just be on the ball, be sharp. Yeah. Because it can be... So easy to go, no, I think people forgot I'm here yeah. and I've just zoned out and I'm sitting here on Instagram and then all of a sudden the call comes over the radio going, we need whatever, yeah. and, but you're half asleep at the wheel. Yeah. So just stay on your toes. Yeah. And is there a certain amount when you're in that uh, kind of zone of going through and getting those gigs of tr- like trying to get the next one all the time, like how would you have managed that? Or Yeah, it's, it's like I remember when I was starting out and I found, found it very difficult. And you'd go to these kind of talks and you're kind of, you're trying to figure out how to put yourself out there. And people go, oh, you just have to knock on doors. And you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. Knock on whose door? Yeah. You know, and, but it is cultivating a network. I always say it's a bit yeah. like the mafia. Yeah. You know, it's the more people who know you. Yeah. Um, so, like, I was prepping a feature film earlier in the year and I got an email out of the blue from a girl who was looking to be a trainee AD. Yeah. Now, I always make a point of replying to emails because I remember starting out and no one ever replied to your emails and you started to feel useless. Yeah. And I just wrote back and I went, look, thanks for your email. I don't hire the trainee ADs. I'm the line producer on this project. I hire the first AD. Yeah. And then the first AD brings their team. Yeah. And then the trainees are generally brought in by the third AD. So I said, you need to be talking to third ADs. And then I gave her four or five emails of thirds. Mm. And so kind of where I went a bit wrong early days as well as because I was kind of doing a bit of producing or I do be a bit of production manager and then I was but also I'm an AD and then people go well, what are you yeah you know and then by the time you're making your mind up they've just hired the next guy right you know okay. Okay. so I would say specialise and define yourself uh, be as clear as you can about what you are yeah because th- then people go right I can see what I can use you for or not yeah and then you look at who does the hiring and get to know them mm. and just touch base and you'll you'll send emails out. You may hear back, you may not, or people just go, look, I'm nothing going on right now and then give it a couple of months, do it again. Okay. And just and just keep track of what's going on out there because the day will come where you'll get a phone call at nine o'clock at night going, I need you in Ardmore at six in the morning. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then once you get in there, then be polite, be useful, make yourself indispensable mm. and then they'll remember you. Yeah. Don't be going in there creating a problem for someone because 
when the next gig comes along, then all of a sudden they'll go, hey, remember, you get that guy, Paul, he was great. Mm. You know, he was mm. really on the ball. He was really hard working. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, well, what was that guy's name again? Oh, I don't know. He was on his phone all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah, bit of yeah. a chip on his shoulder. Kept telling people he wanted to be a director. <laughs> Kept walking over to the monitor and giving the director notes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whereas you, you just go in and, and do those kind of meaningless, meaning grunt tasks, yeah. do them well you'll be employed for a long time. Cool. Uh, that's great advice. And then, so once you kind of got on the track of being a producer, what were you, what kind of films are you wanting to make? Are you kind of out there as a gun for hire or have you a very specific kind of thing in mind that you want to work on? Um, no, it was, it was kind of like I, I was doing the AD thing for a good while and then I kind of plateaued. Right. And because I hadn't, like I say, I hadn't come up to the system as a trainee, I wasn't part of a team per yeah, se. Yeah. So I wasn't, I wasn't big enough to be first in big gigs. Yeah. But I didn't work with a big first to be third in. Right. So then you're getting second unit stuff or you're going out as one of six or seven trainees doing background. Mm. I was good with extras and setting background. So you'd go out and kind of do some of that. But like, I kind of hit a point where I was getting a bit long in the tooth for it. Right. And also having produced stuff then, you're kind of going, yeah, this is not challenging enough for me. The work wasn't consistent enough. And I was like, right, I need to rethink what I'm doing. Yeah. And I sat down with a producer friend of mine. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. And he was like, no, he goes, just focus on being a production manager. He goes, you have enough experience between the producing, but also because you know how the set works from being an AD. Mm. He said, you'd be a really good production manager. Mm. So then I spent like a year turning down AD work because I was like, Oh, I'm production manager now. <laughs> and then I started getting, um, I was PMing kind of the, what would be now the, the focus shorts, the Screen Ireland, the kind of. It used to be signatures. It yeah. used to be signatures, yeah. yeah. So I ended up doing 2014, 2015. I kind of spent a lot of time doing a lot of those. Yeah. And as a production manager, as a gun for hire, you're kind of going, you know, well, what projects are you interested in? You're like paid ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then as a producer, it was more the people I was working with. I wasn't kind of going, hey, I'm a producer, send me scripts. Yeah. And looking for stuff to come in unsolicited from people I didn't know. As a producer, I was more interested in collaborating with the people I was already working with. Yeah. Um, And in terms of that going right, looking at what we can develop that we think are, you know, in some ways there's certain... Um, drawn to certain types of films but that's as much down to going I know how to make this mm. if someone came at me and said um, oh I want to make like a knockoff of a Scanner Darkly yeah. that's all kind of mocap animated I'm going I'm having a clue no idea no yeah. idea Yeah, you know but like live action drama mm. you know is, is where I live and I can do that Yeah, um, but you know no more than if someone went oh, I have a script and it's a guy who's like, it's really VFX heavy. Again, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not the guy for this. Right, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, you'll encounter a lot of people in the industry who will brass neck their way into a job. Yeah. I never really, I don't enjoy the stress of trying to do a job I don't understand how to do. Yeah. So I'd rather turn that gig down, you know. So even to this day, people kind of come in and go, even would you line produce this, I'll go send me the script and I'll let you know if I feel I can deliver it. Yeah. You know. That's a good lesson, I think. <laughs> so, uh, as yeah. opposed to showing up going, yeah, totally, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe talk about your role on um, Dublin Old School, mm -hmm. associate producer. Yep. What What does that entail? 
it was kind of a, in some ways, it was an academic kind of way. Um, the big bit of advice I have for people is choose your collaborators, right. you know? Yeah. Because filmmaking is really tough. It's like going out and building a house every day. Yeah. And oftentimes, especially when you're doing a kind of short film level or low budget level, it doesn't pay well, yeah. you know? So you want to make sure that whoever's on your hip for 14 hours a day is on the same page as you are and it's someone you like working with. Yeah. And I kind of partnered up with Dave Leahy and Warrior Films years ago. I was making a short. Again, I was producing a short for a friend and we just needed a production company to do it through for insurance. And I knew Dave and I was like, oh, can I do it through your company? And he's like, what do I have to do? And I'm like, apart from signing an insurance form, nothing, I'll do everything. Yeah. And so Dave kind of exec produced that for us and was kind of impressed with how it turned out. And he was a great kind of um, sounding board and, and, you know, we kind of worked really well together. And then Dave was producing other shorts and he was he started bringing me in as like a line producer, production manager. And we have very good complementary skills. So we were kind of working together then over a couple of years and I ended up going on a short film with Mike Donnelly. Um, it was a kind of a, it was called Wifey Redux. Mm. And, yeah, it's a great short, yeah. Um, I'd, again, because the whole gang of us all worked together. Mm. And one of the other guys was like, oh, Mike might be doing a short thing, he needs a, a PM. And I so I rang Mike and I, I hadn't really worked with him before. And myself and Mike got on really well and worked really well together as well. Then we came to do, uh, it was one of the After 16 shorts called The Cherishing. Yeah. Uh, with Dave Tynan. David Tynan. Right, so yeah. um, Mike actually first did that because mm. we couldn't get an AD for love nor money. Really? And we were kind of trying to get people and they either weren't free or weren't interested and we were like, Jesus, what did you get? Like, and then because Mike produces commercials and he often just runs the floor for the commercials, we're like, well, Mike can do it. Mm. And he knows Dave Tynan really well and we know Mike and we're all kind of one big family. And we went and did that and it was just a dream job. And I'd come off a summer of some of them ch- more challenging than others shorts, but I think I did. So I did cutting grass. I don't know if I did cutting grass the year before that year, Ernestine and Kit, which was a BFI short that uh, Simon from the Inbetweeners directed. Wifey Redux, Gridlock, and then into like uh, the the cherishing. Yeah, and we were it was wrap drinks for the cherishing. We were all in Fallons. Yeah and chatting away and Mike was going Dublin old school like that that needs to be a film yeah and I knew Ian from Dublin old school had been in Scratch the petrol station short oh yeah and I knew Emmett from the Fringe Festival because I also one of my sideline gigs was uh, I was volunteers coordinator for the Fringe Festival for years yeah and so I was familiar with the play and I was familiar with Emmett and then I basically called Dave Leahy over and I was like, Mike has a really good idea you need to hear. So it became Warrior, which was Dave's company, and MDV, which is Mike's company, came together to do Dublin Old School. Cool. So then I was kind of a supplemental producer underneath the lads. Yeah, yeah. Um, then a lot of my experience, actually years of working with the Dublin Film Festival, Yeah. Um, was able to kind of come to bear because I knew distributors, I knew sales agents, right. I knew festivals, Great. I knew festival strategies. Yeah. And then I kind of got involved with, as we were going through script stage as well, and yeah. I'd, we'd sit in on script meetings. So 
um, Dave and Mike kind of did more of the finance side of it because mm. they it's their companies. Yeah. And then my contribution then was expertise, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and like it, it put together a finance plan to get it made. And Mike, Mike was really the, the driver behind it. Like Mike was a force of nature in getting right. that. Like you're kind of going, geez, we do it. How will we put it together? And, and Mike just wasn't taking no for an answer. He was right. like, we're going to make this. Yeah. And that also was dream job and career highlight to this day. So, right. yeah. Um, but that was like the culmination of me wearing different hats over many, many years. Yeah. That I was then able to make that contribution to Dublin Old School. Cool. And what was your the strategy in terms of because slightly different, unusual or different uh, distribution strategy in that you didn't really go for the festival? No, because um, yeah. Elements Pictures um, were on board both as execs and and distributors, and yeah. it was it was very early days. It was um, at the Fla one year. I was just chatting to Audrey from Element who I I knew through Diff. Yeah, and I said, oh, like you know we're developing this feature with Dave Tynan and, and she was like okay be in the Radisson in the morning at half eight for breakfast and I want to hear about this so myself and Dave Lee he went in and sat down with her and kind of laid it all out there and sent her the script and that was Rory Kilmartin had already been kind of aware of it mm. and so once we kind of got in got it made and then delivered it we were initially to be honest like my what I was kind of trying to steer towards was we, we were going to have it ready for Diff and we were going to close Diff. So closing night of Diff would have been Dublin Old School. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, do Diff and then that springboard into Tribeca, you know, and kind of bounce out mm. that way. But mm. because Post wasn't quite ready and, and the, the music was so essential to it as well, we just kind of were a little bit late on that. Okay. So then we were like we were looking at festivals and stuff like that and seeing what our options were and then Element kind of had a really great strategy that was kind of going look we can kind of do quite a wide release mm. and everyone agreed it was a summer film yeah you know um so we were kind of like right we either take this window or we sit on it and wait till next summer yeah you know because we were kind of like we could have kind of done a few months of festivals or a bit longer yeah and then we could have been maybe looking at a, an autumn winter release and it didn't mm. seem quite right mm. never an excuse for a man to take his top off in Dublin you yeah, know yeah yeah so and also there was quite a lot of momentum from the play as well and the play was kind of in the zeitgeist yeah. and we felt we kind of had that momentum and then we, when we got a chance to do quite a quite a good nationwide release yeah for you know a, a first time feature yeah um, you know, the, the guys made the decision and we figured this was the way to go. Yeah. And, you know, did a fantastic premiere in the Lighthouse, took over the whole, the entirety of the Lighthouse. Yeah. Uh, cinema and, and did it there and then went out and played. I ended up going on opening night then I brought a load of like my non-film friends. Yeah. And one of the lads came out and he was like, that was like being at the Rocky Horror. Like people were cheering, they were yeah. applauding, they were clapping, they were talking to it. Brilliant, yeah. So it was such a great buzz. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's up on Netflix now and it's fine that it's audience it's now It's a new again. life, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's really nice because yeah. like, I see that it pops up on the social media tags and it's stuff cool, that yeah. people are talking about. It and it's yeah, like, yeah. that's really cool. Like we're yeah. like, ridiculously proud of it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I watched it again because it was on Netflix. Mm. I saw it last summer. And uh, again, it was yeah, it was the height of summer. It was a beautiful day, and it was uh, I think it was definitely it had to be 
summer you know it's yeah. it is a hard time as well because you're up against all the blockbusters and and with a great cast like I could you know I could give you a podcast on Dublin Old School alone yeah 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 you know um, like right down to I sat in all the casting sessions with Louise Kiley and Dave Tynan and Eva Jane Gaffney and Mike was in and out as well but like we met actors I've never heard of yeah who were brilliant yeah and I just went wow there's such a wealth of talent mm. And because it's the same thing, your script lands in front of you, and the first thing you do is start thinking about casting your mates. Yeah, you know, and yeah, yeah. and always like Emmett, you know, it's his, it's his dialogue, it's his, it's it's his words. Yeah, and then Ian Lloyd as as the brother, and who's one of my favorite actors. He's brilliant. Yeah. But like Stephen Jones, Stephen Jones, great. Yeah. Sean Kay, Sarah Green, Liam, yeah. like Liam Heslin was a whole. We'd never. We didn't know him. Kind of came out of this young theatre guy. Came out of the Lear. See, play Dave the Rave. Dave the Rave. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, that yeah. One, and like that was a role. Big name, big, well-established people wanted that part. Really? Like you yeah, know, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that just was a testament to Liam Heslin how he came in and just nailed it. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and like Mark Halloran and you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, delighted. Love Fun it. to make. Yeah. Love it. Great. Great. Well, we're just about out of time, uh, but thanks so much for coming no in. Worries. Great advice there. Really appreciate it. No, my pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm Alama Jekadumi. And I'm Pater Kuivonik. And we are part of the Motherfucker team. Motherfucker is a podcast of words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. It comes every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. So join us for an irreverent and sometimes insightful but always exciting look at the Irish language, Hiberno English, and all sorts of word games at play. Biggie out.